Welcome back into the Canucks and Pucks podcast on, uh, you know, a couple days after the Canucks got eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 7. After coming back from a 3-1 deficit, uh, Canucks had an amazing season, even though they got eliminated. I'm back with my co-host, Dan. How are you doing today? It is sunny. It's been sunny for a few days. It's a disappointment that the season ended on on the Friday, but I think, you know, as we talked about, it was pretty expected. Um and, you know, I know we're going to get into it, but, you know, I'm, I'm a super proud Canucks fan. I'm super proud of the team. There's a lot of holes that can be filled. I know we're going to talk about all that later on. We're going to talk about the, the game seven and even the game six um, and kind of that whole thing. But um, no, as, as, as a whole, it's, it's, uh, they're on pace to what I thought they would be at. And yeah. uh, I, think, I think we're in for something special here in the next five years now. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the thing is the Canucks were, weren't expected to even like to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season, like going back and looking at the projections and people saying, well, you know, the Canucks aren't there yet, but I mean, they made it and uh, made it way further than everyone thought and, and made a good fight out of it, even against the golden Knights, even though game six and seven were kind of a, a goaltender show, um, probably five, six and seven were all, were all Thatcher Demko. And uh, I mean, the Canucks were able to score some timely goals to make it to get to game seven as well. So, but just couldn't get it done in, in the final game. But I mean, you know, you look at the season as a whole, I think the Canucks were, are going to walk away from this happy that, uh, and with a lot of positives, like I uh, just dropped an article on hockey writers this morning on a bunch of the positives that the Canucks will go, you know, can take away from this and, you know, all their star players stepped up, but, I want to start uh, with talking about Thatcher Demko because the fact that he wasn't even expected to play at all uh, in the playoffs. And he came in and played probably three games out of his mind. I mean, a hundred and something like, what was it? 130, 128 out of 130 shots. He stopped. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, I think it's interesting that after doing a couple days and, and things start coming out, I mean, I mean, so many people race to be the first ones to analyze the end of season and, and that, but we've had a couple days to, to really get a lot of information on, on some of the players, some of their injuries. I mean, apparently Thatcher Demp or, or Marsham was struggling with that groin injury yeah. versus the blues. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and, and I think that's actually really significant because it gets to the point where he now he can't play. The team's down three one. It makes you wonder with the, the with the way that Thatcher Demko played. Could Vancouver, you know, is was there a possibility that, you know, they wouldn't have been so tired and couldn't have made it through actually based mm -hmm. off of off of his play, right? And and I'm not saying they deserve to to win. I'm just saying that, you know, after the fact, is very helpful because I think it gives us a much better. Um, it gives us a much better idea about the team and, 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 a, and a better idea of where they're going to go moving forward. Yeah. I mean, before we get into the big, you know, the stuff that could happen in the off season, stuff like that, I want to kind of digest this last, you know, last series and maybe that and talk a little bit about the season of who, you know, how, how the different players stepped up and in these series, in all the playoffs here. And, you know, you look at guys like Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, Bo Horvat, they all stepped up in massive ways throughout uh, in different ways. And, uh, you know, looking first at, at Pedersen, the way he, he battled throughout the playoffs and adjusted his game and, you know, that, that type of game he plays and the two-way game he even showed in game six and seven. I mean, he's just a phenomenal player and 
you know, he's only 21. Yeah. So let's, let's start, you know, we'll, let's go through your, your article. Then you asked me about Thatcher Demko. I was going to continue on that. So well, yeah, we can I, keep I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just keep going on your, on, on, on your path here. And, and then we'll get into Elias afterwards. And that way I'm, I'm doing my job to help you out and support you. Um, <clears throat> no, I think, I think what Thatcher Demko did, and then this is my point is, is that I think what Thatcher Demko did is he gave them uh, a legitimate reason to say, you know what, I think we'll be okay if we let Markstrom walk. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to fit a six to $7 million goalie in and everyone's like, you got to get Markstrom. You got to get Markstrom. Um, listen, man, Markstrom's an amazing goalie. He, when he was first drafted, Florida drafted him. It was like exactly what you're seeing right now is what he was projected to be. Yeah. Uh, Thatcher Demko's 24. He's almost at that level. And, you know, as we were preparing for this show, we talked about, um, or this podcast, I should say, we talked about how, um, you know, the, the, and just to help put in perspective, the Chicago Blackhawks with Corey Crawford, the LA Kings with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Jonathan Quick, the Pittsburgh Penguins with Matt Murray, young goalies on, on low contracts. And I know Pittsburgh had Marc-Andre Fleury, so they, they had a bit of a, of a higher salary cap in that sense. But these low salary goalies that are capable of backstopping a team, it's, you know, to have Thatcher Demko, because right now he's 700000 I think he has yeah. one more year left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so, but you could probably sign, re-sign him for like three, three and a half. He'd probably take that. He'd be happy with that. You could get him in on a bridge deal if you wanted to at about a three, three year deal or something like that. But now you've got three, three and a half million dollars to play with, to, to, to put towards something else. You, you, and, and I think that that's just important that Thatcher Demko's emergence in this, in this scenario where the, the Canucks were completely gassed in game seven. I mean, oh yeah. They just had nothing left in the tank. And, you know, I, on Twitter there, I was, you know, was, was in a, a kind of a, an interesting conversation um, with, with a couple of people. And, and you just, you don't understand. And if anybody wants to, I, I go out and run for like, you know, two hours when you're exhausted, right? And then go do it again and the next day and see how long you last. And, 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 now, and now have someone while you're doing it push you over and knock you down and you have to get picked up and you still have to perform that eventually you're going to tire out and there's a lot of hockey that Canucks played and and the reason they were in it was Thatcher Demko hadn't played so he was pretty darn (laughs) fresh right and that's what what kept him and remember at the beginning of the series we talked about two two keys to the series we talked about Vancouver's defense not getting and rushed by the speed of the Knights well that happened they couldn't prevent that number one and and we talked about how the Vegas, at least how I saw the Vegas Knights, is they just throw everything at the net. Well, that's what they did in games five, six, and seven. They just kept throwing things at the net. And eventually, percentages are something's going to go in. And yeah. and that's what happened with Shea Theodore's shot. And, you know, I think, you know, the empty netters and, and, and all that other stuff. But, you know, no, Thatcher Demko just, you know, he, he put on the goaltending performance of a, I won't say a lifetime, but I think he's, I think he's, he's earned the right to, to lead the team. I think with, with Di Pietro and, and maybe some of the other options out there, I think it's okay to let, let uh, Markstrom go because the worst case scenario, in my opinion, and this happened to any goalie, I mean, it can still happen to Demko, but the worst case scenario is to have a goalie though at six or $7 million get injured and now sure you have LTIR but who's going to want to give up a a goalie in the middle of a season 
much yeah. better to go and get one much better to go and get one in the off season when they're looking for work and they know that if something happens they have an opportunity to step in and, and make a make an impact yeah i agree and the thing is, is about demco is like you say he's 24 years old uh he's on a 1 million 1.5 or 1.05 million cap hit um and you're right he was he is at the end uh 2020 2020 21 season is is uh going into here is his last season before we have to re-sign him but he's a restricted free agent so you still have his rights and the thing is it's like he's such a such a calming influence back there too with his his mental makeup is like you know designed to be in this market i think um and the way he he performed in those three i mean there were three elimination games pressure filled and and he performed, and that's that's just the mark of a guy that's probably going to be a pretty good starting goaltender in the NHL. Well, especially at the age of 24, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's hard to find those. And if you can have someone that you can keep on your roster for six years, I mean, they're just they're a rare find, and the teams that usually find them usually end up winning a couple Stanley Cups, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I I, I appreciate that um, Thatcher wants to get paid, or no, sorry, that that Marshall wants to get paid. He probably should get paid um, at the end of the day. Um, it may not be with the Canucks. Yeah. And the thing is, is he will be a six, $7 million cap hit. Um, and, you know, you also have the problem of uh, Seattle coming up with the expansion draft as well, which, you know, that's going to create some problems with, you know, goalies that you're going to have to expose and protect. And uh, you don't, you, you don't want to have, Seattle having, you know, picking Demko and having him as their starter for, you know, a number of years. But that's that's another wrinkle that gets thrown in. Well, again, if you look at some of the teams, like, I just think it, may, it makes a, an important thing. I mean, you want to have two goalies. Again, I think you could go and sign someone. And if your team oh, is yeah. going to improve the way you think it's going to, um, you know, the, that money is better spent on – no offense, but it's better spent on a defenseman, a high-end defenseman. Like if you, let's say, and I don't know this, but let me let me kind of put this into perspective of how I'm thinking of it. Um, you get, um, you, let's say, you let Marsham walk, and you can sign Demko for three and a half, let's say, which I think is a reasonable salary. I think yeah. that's probably what it would go for. Would you not agree? I agree. Something along yeah. those lines. Okay. Yeah, so. so so now all of a sudden, and let's say Marsham goes for seven. It's probably most likely Marsham goes for seven. Okay, so here's Markstrom. Markstrom goes for seven, and and now you've got three and a half million dollars. And if you are able to get Louis' numbers off your books, which I think could happen, but but let's say you just trade Sutter, or let's say you don't re-sign, um, or you let Tanev go, and now you have seven million dollars, and we need to replace Tanev, and everyone's like, we got to get Tanev, mm-hmm. we got to get Tanev, but we need to release. But but now you've got seven and a half million dollars that you can go out and sign a higher end defenseman for. And now who can you get for that? You know, I'd have to look, I'm just saying right off the top of my head to me, that makes a lot more sense for Vancouver because now you're augmenting the back end. You can pay for that right-handed D man. And, and again, as great as Tanev is, you, you know, you got one solid year and Oh, he was healthy this year. He's normally not healthy. He's almost never healthy. Yeah. And one season, you know, do you know if that's going to continue on? Like, I don't know. So that's my, that's at least that's just my, uh, my, my, my view on it. And, um, you know, I think what Thasher did um, 
you know, really, uh, really, I think is going to force this scenario. I, I really do. And that's the thing. I think, you know, him having him come in and play like that, it did increase that discussion. And the thing is, is Henning's got to look at it even more now. I, I think he was really on that, on that side of re-signing Markstrom. And now it kind of goes, well, maybe we have a goaltender that's way cheaper and uh, can be a, a starter in the league for a while and actually grow with this core. Uh, as much as I love Markstrom too, it's, you got to look at the numbers and I think Demko is the better choice here. And as much as Markstrom is a great goaltender, like you said, but you got to look at what's, what's going to be better for the team in the long run, especially when you're getting to a point where you have to re-sign Pedersen, you have to re-sign Quinn Hughes, um, guys like that. And you don't want to have to get into a position where that's all your roster. Like, you know, in the past, like when the Tampa Bay Lightning had all the top heavy guys and Toronto Maple Leafs are going through that right now. Uh, they're yep. top heavy and it's not working. So, I mean, yep. <laughs> yep. No. And I think, and I think, you know, that's why starting with Demko is the right place to start in this conversation. His play through games five, six and seven was insane. He's, he's, you know, and especially the, the, the pace that he had faced those shots. I think it just gives the Canucks confidence that, you know, we augment the defense a little, you know, we improve the bottom six, we can get, through with Demko and, and maybe someone else. So I think that that's a yeah. great, um, I think that's a great uh, comment. Yeah. So, I mean, moving on from, I mean, Demko, uh, you know, going to Pedersen, I think, you know, like I said before, Pedersen showed everyone that he's, he's just a, the way he plays, he's able to adapt and adjust to different things, especially the playoffs, the way he played him, even in the last two games, I mean, game seven, he didn't score. Um, but he played really well defensively, and that's what I think showed the most in these playoffs, the way he can play that two-way game. Yeah, I, I mean, your article's really good. Again, if, if, if you know, please go read Matt's article on thehockeywriters.com. Uh, and, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say anything else than what I've already said about the guy and how I feel about him. I, I think he's the, right now, the third best player in the game. I think it goes McKinnon, McDavid. If you want to one-two those guys and interchange them however you want, that's up to you. I think Pedersen has leapfrogged everyone else. And I, I mean that sincerely. I think that a guy at, at his size to be able to, to be able to not only be as physical back to guys that are 50 pounds above him, um, be able to fight through, get his shot off, make his plays, play the defense like you said that he plays – He's, he's the complete package. They're so rare to find. And, and, you know, he does it all. And he really is like the heart of the Canucks. And, you know, Bo is the captain in, in that heart and, and, and such. But Patterson, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the engine. Right. Yeah. He's the engine of the offense. And, you know, Quinn Hughes is the engine on the defense. So it's just you know, his play, I think nobody expected that. I think everyone's like, well, we'll see what he does in the playoffs. He did this in the Swedish Elite League. Yeah. And, and again, you know, they play 17 games. Most teams play around 22, 20 games to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So, you know, they've, they've played a lot of hockey. And, you know, it showed that game. They basically were just like, you're going to have to beat us without Pedersen. And, you know, they, they, they were out of gas, but man alive, that performance in game six, you know, as, as great as Demko's was, 
um, so was Patterson's performance in game six. That was, yeah. that was crazy. You know, um, you know, he, he, you could see Laner was frustrated with him. He, you know, he gave Theodore a glare there on, yeah. the, on one of the tip goals. Like, you know, I, there's just nothing else I can say. I think he's, I think he's the third best player in the league. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is again, and he's only 21 and it's just thinking of what he could do in the future with this team. And uh, he, yeah, it's just, it's amazing to think about and how he's matured over the short time he's been in the league. He hasn't been in the league very long. And, you know, and he's already, like you say, probably one of the, like in the top five uh, in players right now. And he's only 21 years old. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And then you move on to a guy like Quinn Hughes, who, we found out after, which we kind of suspected he was hurt, um, battling in knee and ankle injuries. I mean, that's why he looked a little slower in the last series. And and he still performed at a you know a relatively high level. I think if he was healthy, he would have played a lot better against the Knights as well. Well, I mean, everybody plays healthier when – plays better when they're healthy. I mean, again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I always go back. I know – you know, and, and I'm not trying to dwell on anything, but just um, – you, you know, it's, it's, it's at, at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, the, you know, the 2011 team just ran out of gas too. I mean, they had nothing left. They had nothing left to give. That's what we saw there in game seven. We just had nothing left in the tank. It's, it's so hard to, um, it really is. It's so hard to, to play those types of heavy games and, and the playoffs are so match, you know, success is so match dependent you know in 94 when vancouver went to the final you know the calgary series was tough dallas series they rolled them toronto series they rolled them and and then and then they played new york and and just it was a a different matchup and they had to adjust and then they were able to adjust right um you know vancouver just plays so much heavy hockey and and again the bottom six you know they're reasonable they're good enough. Like I predicted the Canucks make the playoffs. I called it. I, you know, when we first chatted, I said, they'll make the playoffs. Um, but I figured they'd be a second round fodder. That's exactly what I thought they'd be um, prior, prior to this. And fodder is not the right word, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and it's just part of that progression. It's part of that. Um, you know, it's, it's the fact that they got it to game seven. Um, yeah. I mean, just Pedersen and, and Hughes just, ran out of gas, but you know, the good news is, you know, hopefully um, once we have a bit more normalization, you know, the Canucks will be able to augment the defense in the bottom six and it's going to take a lot of that off of the top six. Yeah. Um, we finally saw Horvat and Toffoli and Cart or, yeah, so. and, and, and Pearson together. Um, and uh, they played pretty good in game six, not so much in game seven, but no, nobody really played good in game seven, <laughs> um, but, but they played pretty good. And, um, you know, again, you know, this is, you know, I I do want to talk about Travis Green at one point, um, but full circle to Quinn Hughes here. I mean, he had to do it all. And and I don't particularly, I thought, actually, I thought Alex Edler had a good second round series versus Vegas. That was more his style, his, his, he played a much better game against, against against them. And I don't know if it was just because he was able to elevate his game or what, but um, clearly, you know, Quinn Hughes and Alex Edler, we're, we're driving the, the bus there. And, and I think Tyler Myers got back into it, but I mean, it was, it was far too late, you know, when yeah. they got, when they got there. I think Myers probably had his best game of this, of the playoffs in that game or series yeah, of the series. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was a lot more mobile. 
uh, he stepped up a lot in that game. And but I mean, the Canucks as a whole, yeah, they looked just tired. I mean, they couldn't yeah. gain the zone for very much. Uh, Vegas would they would just have to dump it in, and then all of a sudden Vegas is coming back playing the same. Uh, right back in their own give, zone, yeah so. and give give vegas credit i mean we should have done that at the very beginning i mean give vegas credit i mean they're clearly the better team they, they, there's, oh, there's yeah. no doubt they're the better team um you know bunch of but they're classless uh they're yeah. absolutely classless they're absolutely the most ignorant arrogant group i've ever seen i thought the bruins were bad <laughs> holy smokes the 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 knights have taken it to another level um you know and uh very disappointed in in uh in, in, in that, especially considering what the Canucks did for, for Ryan Reeves and for racial equality. Yeah. I think that that's um, absolutely uh, despicable on their part to be chirping guys the way they were. I'm sorry, but, but that's, you know, you, you know, you have to have some sort of respect and, and they, they just have none and, you know, whatever happens happens, you know, but yeah. um, you know, Vegas is the better team it showed. And finally, you know, that style paid off and for Vancouver, when you've got nothing in the, in the tank and you're not putting the puck on net, um, you know, that's, that's it. And I think all, everybody said this, I, I mean, we all said this where when, when that, when that penalty was called with what, three minutes to go or yeah. no, six minutes to go when that penalty was called, like just the, everything was like, that's it. It's over. But you just yeah. knew at that point it was just, you know, as, as someone else who said it, like it was gravity. It was just, it, it just has to go in at some point. <laughs> You know, and, and I, unfortunately, that was when. I think, like, once the Canucks couldn't score on that five-minute power play, I was like, yeah, next power play, Vegas is scoring. And yeah. uh, exactly what happened. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that the power plays that they had in that game, like that five-minute power play, they should have at least scored a couple goals on. Um, but, again, it's just – yeah, well, they were too tired and too they were tired. too methodical. Yeah. They were too tired. They're too methodical. Their brains were the being too methodical. The Vegas was on top of them, not allowing them to, to make plays. And, and what I mean by that is, is um, Vancouver, what, because they were being so methodical, they weren't capable of processing where they should put that puck and who was open. I mean, very stagnant. I mean, they just, they just looked lost. They looked lost and, and, you know, they, I mean, it was great. They were killing five minutes, but you didn't have a lead to kill five minutes yeah. on. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. And, um, you know, we can talk about the Brock Besser, you know, save yes, all you yeah. want by laner and stuff, but really that's one opportunity. So I, I can't really sit there and compared to what, you know, Demko was doing at the other side, you know, if your goalie only has to make one 10 bell save, then, you know, he's probably doing something. You're, you're, you're probably as a team not doing something right. So. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you look at the chances and the high danger chances and all those things that uh, offensive zone time, it was just so skewed to Vegas' side. There was just, yeah, it was just a matter of time uh, before well, it would just break. Yeah, like in, in game six, it was different because the chances, like the high quality chances were 12 to 10 for Vegas. Yeah. Like Vancouver had chances in game six. They buried three of them. Yeah. Um, but but they had really good chances. and And it wasn't like yes Vegas was coming in waves but it didn't feel like that game six I didn't feel like Vegas played this overly amazing no, game like I just true. they're just throwing it on that throwing it on that throwing it on, whatever if that's what they're gonna do but game seven it was like okay Vancouver eventually they never found their legs like just no. didn't find their legs like you're like okay second period let's go guys let's go couldn't find their legs and yeah. that's when I and even before that penalty before the best or the best are shot and saved by Laner. I was just thinking like, they just don't have it. Like they really don't have it. Like they just, they're done. Like you can tell they are absolutely 
done. Like this game, playing the back to back killed them. It absolutely yeah. killed them. Any chance they had to kind of recover, recuperate, get their legs under them and, and be able to, to do anything was gone. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we talk about, oh, you know, they could have, they were one shot away from making it to the next round. They haven't played Dallas Stars. I mean, really think the Canucks would have had a better chance against them? I don't think so. So, I mean, <laughs> so it's, it's, I think in the end, it's probably the best to, you know, end it here and, yeah. And uh, look at the positives yeah. that did come out of it. Like, crazy yeah well we talked about it after 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 the while we're like oh who do you who do you want them play i didn't want them play dallas like dallas is dallas is just a big mean team i mean and no offense like and and listen right now in you know in terms of karma um neither of those teams should be playing the western final the dallas stars have beaten the crap out of both the teams they played they injured the snot out of the calgary flames in the first round and then they injured the snot out of the colorado Avalanche. so they can't really win they can't really win by by putting the puck in the net. I mean, I know they can, but but they're not really like like if that's how you have to win, that you have to go out and injure players. I, you know, I actually think the league has to step in on things like this. Yeah, like I'm I'm t- being totally honest here. When a team like goes out p- to purposely injure other players, that's to me that's like okay, you're 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 going beyond, and 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 really they should like like you're done. Like sorry, your team's done. If yeah. you can't play the game and you have to injure other teams. Because, again, here you are in game seven of, of Colorado-Dallas, and McCarr gets injured. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> McCarr and Gerard were playing their best hockey in game six, and they were carrying that through in game seven, and then all of a sudden, oh, guess what? You know, okay, well, let's injure those guys. And well, yeah. what do you think's going to happen? Of course they're going to see a dramatic drop in their play. Yeah. The same thing like Landis Gog didn't play Game Seven either, right? So well, he he got a skate on his on his on his above his knee, so that one was a little different. But I mean, mm-hmm. like, like, like there that you know, there's a lot of ample evidence to show that the Dallas Stars were trying to injure um, uh, Colorado Avalanche players, and I and I you know that's not, and I'm not an Avalanche fan, so that's you know like like <laughs> I don't like dirty hockey. I hate that. That's why I didn't like the 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 Vegas Golden Knights. They should have been grateful that Vancouver came to the age of one. Eight, you can still play hard and play all the other ways you do, but don't mock guys and call, you know, yeah. say some of the things they said, you know, like, like that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's, that's crossing the line in my humble opinion, but that's yeah. just what, what hit me was with that was when Bertanen was hurt on the ice and they were chirping him. I was like, Oh yeah, come on, this guy's hurt. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but they have no respect. Right. And that's, no. and that's, that's the thing. Like, and I, and I, and, and, you know, um, you know, hopefully Vancouver will, be able to to overcome those sorts of things and i'm glad that we have the players that we have but if i was a if i, I it'd be hard for me to cheer those things and i can understand why people were pretty upset with burrows and kessler because yeah, I, do I don't like that, that stuff I, I don't like that stuff they might be really good people but i don't like stuff like that because you know what people are people and if that's if, if you want to know why the world's in the situation it's in it's because of people like that that's why it's in the situation it's in. <laughs> yeah no that's true and i mean in the end, it's, I think, like me and my brother were talking yesterday about the same thing. And the thing is, it's like Vegas is a, a mean, classless type team. And I was saying, I was talking to him about it. And he's like, well, they may not be that way as people. They may just do that on the ice because they're just, they no, but change. that's who you are on the ice. But and if that's who you are, that's, I mean, that is, <laughs> that is, listen, you want to get to know someone. I've said this all the time. I'm a, I, 
never been wrong. Go drinking with someone, like really get, get drunk with them and you'll see who they really are. Or, and I know that sounds bad, or go play sports, like competitive sports with someone. That's who they really are. Like legitimately, that's who the person really is. And, you know, um, you know, that's, that's who those guys are. And I think that that's, um, you know, it's really sad that that's who you are as a human being that you, you, you have to have that type of arrogance in that. But now I'm going down a tangent. I I just want to stay on, I just want to stay on the Canucks here because there's still so much good. And, and, you know, it's, you know, another player I want to talk about too is Brock Besser. Cause I, oh, yeah, he yeah. took so much flack and everything. Um, and for the most part, I think he evolved for the better. And, um, you know, I, you know, for anyone who thinks that they should trade Brock Besser, they can, you know, no, thank you. Like he's, he's going to come back very motivated and, and, and ready to go. Yeah. Oh, Brock Besser. I, I mean, I, he probably had his the last few games were probably his best games too. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, he he may not have been scoring goals, but he's such a like we we talked in earlier about him too about he's such a cerebral player and he plays the game so smart and he's such a great playmaker too. And I think you know you play with a guy like Elias Pettersson, who I think like we've said it before, they should be joined at the hip. Um, there shouldn't be, and he shouldn't I can't be understand. I places. don't understand why Travis Green separates them. I don't know why he thinks that that's okay. Yeah, I mean, they should be a duo most of the time. The way they they read off each other, and yeah, and and we will talk about Travis Green. I mean, he, I mean, he Green play Green coached a hell of a playoffs. I mean, we do have our issues with him and but he evolved as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I do think he outcoached himself again. I, yeah, and I mean yeah. that in game, I think he outcoached himself until game six and seven. And if he had started that lineup um, in game one and he's, he, and that was the lineup he went with, I think Vancouver potentially could be playing right now still. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I really, really do. Yeah. And I just think he, he outcoached himself. And I think, you know, again, when they talk about putting guys in positions to succeed, you know, Adam Gaudet, I think Adam Gaudet actually was a little hindered with his line mates. I think Roussel um, did not help him at all. I don't, cause I don't think Roussel is really a type of player. I mean, yeah, again, you know, I know he scored a great breakaway goal and and that, and that's awesome. Um, You know, um, and I'm not going to comment on the chirping because I think that's, you know, ridiculous too. I know they're all head games and people go, Oh, I love that stuff. I mean, I don't mind it, but, but I don't know. That's not me. Um, uh, but I just think that that bottom six, you know, and, and maybe that's a good place to, to, to move on to in terms of yeah. players. I think the bottom six clearly showed that they're not good enough to go on a deep run. They're good enough for two rounds of hockey. They're not good enough for four rounds. It just no. isn't. And there has to be some major changes. And, and again, you know, we talked about Jake for and, and I know Jake scored a couple of big goals for the Canucks, but overall um, he just, is who he is. We talked about this kind of a couple games into the series uh, against Minnesota. And it's just the same conversation. He is who he is. He, you know, <laughs> is it enough? If you're comfortable with that, if that's what you're going to get and that's what you're comfortable with, then no problem. Fine. Like no issues, no problem. If you're going to though, feel like, no, like I need more from Jake, then Jake's not your guy. Like no. literally, Jake's not your guy. He just isn't. 
and that's the thing. Like Vertanen, he had his moments when he was in the top six, but whenever he's in the bottom six, uh, he's just not a grinder type player. And that's, I think, when he's put in that third and fourth line roles, he just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and you know he's playing. You know he played with Mott and Beagle um, last few games, and I find that he just doesn't show up in those roles. I think he's he's the most noticeable when he's playing with skilled players. Yes. So, I mean, if that's where he has to be, and I think, you know, going back to the discussion of being, you know, when, when Goldobin was on the team, he can't play in the bottom six, and that's even, you know, more skewed. But I think, no, I think that's, I think that's the a, same way. He can't yep. play in a bottom six role. Or you can put him in a bottom nine, but play him with skills. So, get, yeah. like, no offense, but Mott was a revelation for Vancouver. Yes. Mott showed up. He deserves to be paid. Like, he's one of those guys you should sign and, and give him a, a reasonable contract. Um, Mott is, is everything you're looking for in a bottom six player. He really is. He's everything Jake Furtanen should be. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, Jake should be on, like, Godet. And, and, again, we just never saw – I mean, Jake was with the fourth line. And then instead of going with Gaudet, he would move him up to the top. Like, I don't understand why he thinks that Gaudet and Vertanen can't play together when they played together all season and there was success. I mean, Jake had how many goals with, with Gaudet? Yeah. Gaudet had 12 goals with Jake. Like, yeah. it's, this, is, this is the sort of thing I just – this is why I say that I think Travis Green coaches himself is he doesn't let – what is natural happen instead he tries to force things thinking that this will work and you've got to let the natural happen in anything in life sometimes there's nothing you can do and you you can't force things so you have to let what naturally is going to happen happen and then work with it and flow with it and and for 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 uh, travis he finally said okay i'm going to put the top six together with the lotto line and i'm forced to put horvat with the foley (laughs) Well, again, like if it had started with that line, I, I, I just really believe there's a strong chance Vancouver could be playing right now, right? Yeah. But, but because, because he was so stubborn the first three games of the series, like I just I, – I can't break these guys. I cannot break Pedersen and Toffoli up. Like, and, then, and then when they're on a – like here's the other one. I want to go back to your comment about Besser and, 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 and Pedersen being joined at the hip. They go to a four-on-four, and, four and he's always got Pedersen out with Miller. Yeah. Like, just like, man, get, <laughs> why are you so scared to put Besser out there? Oh, well, I need Miller in case of the faceoff. Don't worry about that. No. Keep, you know, like, do you think Glenn Sather, and I, I know this is an extreme example, but it's just to kind of help put in perspective. Do you really think Glenn Sather worried about Gretzky and Curry out on a four and four if Gretzky got kicked out of the faceoff circle? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you really think, do you really think that on a four and four that when Taves and Kane are out, that 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 uh, Quenville was ever worried about if Taves got kicked out, the King couldn't take the draw. Yeah. When when you've got guys like that that can get possession of the puck, they'll let things happen. And and Travis Green just really outcoached himself a lot of the time. I thought I thought um, to be honest, some um, Nolan Baumgartner did an amazing job on the back end though, like with the defense yeah. and those pairings and getting them out. Right. And I know we talked about Travis green, but you, you knew, you know, that, um, that Nolan uh, um, has a lot of say in that. And um, you know, they, they performed as admirably, admirably as they could, but again, just Travis green, just he out coaches himself and he, he's, he's sometimes a little too old school 
for his age because he played in the 90s and he and he carries a lot of that mentality with him and he needs to get away from from that he really really does like he needs to get away from that and and uh, you know allow things to naturally flow yeah and the thing is about like we said about Tyler Mott and and Vertan and I think Mott and Vertan and like Mott is set in what his role is he knows what he has to do uh, Vertan I think is still confused <laughs> and I think that's partly what the co- I mean, what coaching has done you throw him in different roles what is he supposed to do and I think, yeah, Green just doesn't – he doesn't put – I think Gaudet and Vertanen should have been a duo all the time as well. And, yeah. you know, Gaudet plays so well with him as too. And, you know, Vertanen has that – you know, and I think that's the problem when, when you've got a guy like Vertanen who has that size and he should be, quote-unquote, a power forward. And it just seems like – Canucks in general over the years haven't been able to develop power forwards very well because they kind of, they don't know what to do with them. And my brother made a good comment yesterday about that. It's like power forwards, everyone wants them to play up and down the line. If that's why they want, you know, they want Bertanen to be a guy that you can throw in the third and fourth lines, you can throw in the top two lines and, and be fine. I think Bertanen just doesn't, isn't built that way. Well, I think he mentally isn't built that way. I, and I, and, and like, you're right. And that's what I, how I feel about it. I think he mentally isn't built that way. I just, he, he, he can play big if he has to, he just doesn't, he doesn't yeah. hit, he doesn't go to the front of the net. Like how often did he go to the front of the net when they really needed him to legitimately? Yeah. No, a lot like of just, the time he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I just, he just, I just don't think it's in his nature and that's okay. But Vancouver needs it to be in his nature. Like they literally, yeah. literally needed it. And they, they needed him to do some things and, and, you know, it, it just, but again, you know, when you're running out of gas, it's, 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 it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to criticize. It's really, really hard to criticize <laughs> that. And, 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 you know, we're, we're really nitpicking because again, uh, honestly, we're, uh, again, both of us, and I know this, we're, we're extremely happy with the, um, oh, with, yeah. with the season. So. I think, like, I mean, you look at the whole season and as, you know, as a whole there, you know, everyone kind of, you know, even Vertanen, he stepped up. I think if that break didn't happen, he would have hit 20 goals. Um, You know, I think the break really hurt him um, in the end. And he doesn't seem to do well when he's on an extended break. And that has to change for him personally, I think, to keep developing, even if it's not with the Canucks. He's got to deal with breaks better and not going to that point of, you know, not being, you know, good fitness, fitness wise. And, but that's, that's. A whole yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, maybe this is a good discussion to go in the off season. Maybe that's a good segue because in all honesty, I do not think that um, uh, he's going to be back. I think they're going to trade Jake this off season. That's me. I'm, I'm in that boat as well. Vertanen. Um, I was, leaning towards Stector being traded too, but I think he really stepped up in the playoffs. Either he either is increased his trade value or forces the Canucks to, to keep him. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, uh, maybe going off well, that. We'll, 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 yeah, let's talk about that. But anyways, in conclusion, super proud of the Canucks yes, on the I season do. side, super proud of, of who they are and how they competed. And, you know, I mean, uh, and I'll say it again, I, I am, I'm confident, uh, a billion percent confident these guys are going to win um, three of five Stanley Cups here in the next, uh, in, in the next five years. 
I'm I'm very much on that uh, same page too because you look at the guys coming to and if you know Benning can figure out the contract situation the caps stuff um, we'll go into that later as well but I mean if they, they can figure that out they got so many good players coming up and so many good players already in place this team has a bright future for sure yeah so let's talk let's chat about that then I think we're, so uh, let's we're move that yeah point. let's yeah, shift let's gears so I'll yeah. shift gears to the off season now uh, we'll We'll have many more episodes on this, I'm sure. Um, we'll kind of scratch the surface a little bit I'm sh- there. And, um, you know, I think the offseason, this is probably one of the most important offseasons that Benning has, I think, right now. Um, quite a few unrestricted free agents. You got Tyler Toffoli, Jacob Markstrom, uh, Levo's in there. Uh, Tanev. Tanev. I mean, there's some key guys that, you know, you may move on from. Um, let's, we already talked about Markstrom. Um, I want to talk about Toffoli first in the offseason type discussion, just kind of talk a little bit. Um, you think he's he should be re-signed? Let's start with that. Yeah, so like again, this is the benefit of two of two days um, uh, removed and 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 reading some things and that. I think I think they're going to explore it. I think um, you know as long as the Canucks come to them with a reasonable offer, and what I mean by reasonable is I mean like. Um, he can uh it's it's an offer that isn't like too crazy lower or or is right in the same range as anybody else i think i think he likes it here and i think he could play here and want and i think he probably wants to i'd like to keep him personally as a fan side i think that top six is is probably easily one of the top three top sixes in the league and I, i sincerely sincerely mean that when you look at having two <clears throat> 25 30 goal scoring wingers you know you've got uh, uh, one center who's around 60 65 points if he has an amazing year 80 points you have uh, the other center who clearly is a top 10 player in the league top five he, he probably should get around 100 points you've got um another winger uh, who's at 80 points and a, and a you know and tanner pearson who just fits well although um i'm not sure about tanner pearson long term but yeah. For now, that's your top six. Um, you know, I, I would try and get him, which is why I, I'm, I'm big on, on allowing Tanev and, and Markstrom to move. I think $10.5 million can be way, way better spent elsewhere um, on this, with this roster and, and with who they are. I'm, I'm in between. Like, I've been on, on the fence about Tyler Toffoli. I mean, he certainly fits in with the team. Um, the money is going to be the issue for me. I mean, the thing is you don't want to sign him to a long-term crazy deal because he is, he is 27. He's still in his prime. So, I mean, he still has a few really good years left, but if you're signing him to a seven, eight year deal, that's just too much. I don't think anybody's going to sign him to that. I don't think there is one team that's going to sign him to that type of deal. I mean, that's franchise defenseman deal. I think you could sign him to like a five-year deal. I think That's five reasonable. years is yeah. reasonable. And I think, I think on a five-year deal, you're getting his best years and, you know, you could probably do that for that five to $6 million range. And I think that's a fair contract, right? It's not yeah. above like what, what's Besser at four and a half, I think is his contract, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. He's, he's around there. I mean, and then you yeah. got, I have got to like that kind of really, he's in like the ridiculous type. Oh, we have Besser's at 5.8. Yeah, so there you go. So I think you could, if you could keep Toffoli right in the best range, I think you're you're laughing, and I think he probably would take that in all honesty. And I think it gives you a really good, honestly, I think it gives you a really good um, 
uh, you know, top six. And then, and now you can move on to your bottom six and now you can, you know, your top six taken care of. And in, in your bottom six, this is where you really have some decisions to make. I think yeah. Sutter raised his stock a bit. Um, you could tell by game seven, he had nothing, even games five and six, yeah. he had nothing. His ice time was very limited. Um, but I think Sutter is, is right now his stock has gone up and I think you could get him, you could move him to another team um, in a bottom six role where they'd be comfortable with him. Um, and uh, I think you have to allow a Zach McEwen to come in. I think, you know, you have to give Cole Lynn the opportunity. We know that Hoglander is, is going to be on the team. And so, you know, Goddard, Hoglander, um, you know, I think it's you know, be a draft pick or two, you know. So, so yeah, you're you're right. Like, like Jim Benning, this is his most important off season, and um, and and that bottom six is really what's going to determine Vancouver's fate. Uh, uh, that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the bottom six is definitely not good enough to go on an extended run. Um, but you know, you look at guys like like Hoglander coming in, and you know, everyone's saying oh, you know, but top six, but I think. You know, you Canucks can create a good top nine of offense, offensive type uh, units, which I think the NHL, that's what's moving to. You need a top nine, not a top, just a top yes. six. Um, and top well, nine, and you again, get that. The, the teams that won. Yeah, you're right. The teams that won multiple cups, all of them had a top nine, not a top six. You had with Chicago, you had, you had uh, Sharp. Because uh, I don't think Sharp was on the top line no. at the time. I think it was Taves. I think Kane was on a line with Hosa. Yeah. And and I be- I believe maybe it was Versteeg and Sharp. But but you you, you know we, we know about uh, Carter to Foley Pearson. We know about the HBK line with Hork Fist. And that was the third line. So. Yeah, yeah. For your third line, you need that, and I think Godet can provide that. You got to give him weapons too. You can't sit there and and put him. No offense, with a Russell and and a McEwen and be like, oh well, Goddard's not scoring. Well, it's really hard when you're <laughs> yeah. when you you know because because Goddard's not a Patterson. You know, he he could potentially be a Horvat, but he's probably more of a Nino, yeah. right? He's he's probably that twenty fifteen to twenty goal, forty fifty point center, and that's okay for your third line. But you still got to give talent for it. And there's just no way that, that right now it's Jake for Tannen. I, I just don't, you know, I'm not, I, I like the guy. I, I just, he's just, they need more out of him. And if he can't provide it, it's not that you want to get rid of him. It's not like Barry Peterson and, and uh, Cam Neely where, you know, they didn't really give Cam a chance to get, to get uh, established. Right. They kind of just, no. they just moved them because they wanted this 80 point player in Barry Peterson, you know, like, it's just it's just uncanny. It's 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 yeah. uncanny. Yeah, and the thing is, is I think Vertan has been given quite a few chances already, and and the thing is, is he's shown. I thought he turned a corner this past season, and you know I think a lot of people did. Um, I mean, I I agree with you. I don't think he's staying with the Canucks past this off season. I think he's probably one of the guys that's going to be at move. Um, as part of a deal to get rid of a setter or Erickson, because you're going to have to throw some value in there to be able to trade them. So, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be one of them. I thought Stetcher was probably going to be one too. I still think it could happen there too. Um, you know, and, and that's what's going to have to happen. I don't think like they're saying about Erickson being just buried in the minors. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um 
to get rid of his cap hit because I think that's a big one to get rid of. Um, you can't yeah. buy him out because they're still on the hook for like I think it's like four or five million in the cap Who? space. You're not Harrison. Oh no, no, it's six million in cap space. Six million, yeah, six million cap. No, you can buy him out. No, I already know they they're gonna get rid of Erickson. I guarantee. Yeah, Erickson's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're they don't Somehow. have to even buy him out. They don't even have to buy him out. But so. that what they'll what they'll do is sorry to interrupt you, but what they'll Nothing. do is he they have to pay him his his actual salary, which is three million dollar bonus. Then yeah. he's only owed two million dollars on actual on actual dollars the next two seasons. They'll pay the three. He'll cancel the contract because he'll probably be able to make one and a half to two million in the Swedish Elite League. Yeah, and he'll be able to play less games and he'll be able to do it back home with his family. Like that is what will happen for Louis Eriksson. I, I, yeah. I, I, if it didn't play out that way, I'd be absolutely shocked because he will get way more money over in Europe than he'll get here, and no one's going to pay him that money. They just have to finish paying out the 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 one whatever you know the the, the three million dollars and then you know you don't need to worry about that he'll he'll go because he's not going to play here next year they no. just are going to be like then sit up in the sit up in the box but i yeah <laughs> they, i just i you know you know there's not not a chance that that's how this that this how this would go down no that's true um uh, let's move to chris tanev i i'm on the i'm i'm on the 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 side of re-signing him because of how much he's been to the Canucks and how much he was to quit Quinn Hughes. I know you can get players that are similar to Tanev um, that can play with him. I think Hughes can probably play with most defensemen, but I think if it's something you need to explore to try to get Tanev back. I'm going to take the opposite side of this. I think it's okay to let him go. He's had an amazing career with the Canucks. He's, he's been everything they've asked him to be in and he's, He's an awesome person, but at four and a half, five million dollars, which is probably what he'll he'll get, and he'll probably end up. To be perfectly honest, in Toronto is where I think he's going to end up. Um, the The reality is, is he's just been too injured, and and for four and a half, five million dollars, again, when you're able to potentially cut bait with Sutter, you'll probably cut bait with um, with Louis Erickson. Um, you know, there's a few other smaller salaries coming off the books. Um, you know, it's better to, and again, I would get like let Marsham go. You put that money into a higher end defenseman that can augment your team. Because the thing is, is and here's why: you've got Ole Levy, you've got uh, 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 Jack Rapham, and you've got uh, uh, potentially um, uh, what's his face, Rafferty, Broken Rafferty, yeah. coming into play. You just got, and I know they're like Ole, you need right hand defenseman that right now you're going to have to revamp this defense and you're not going to get there with, with um, aging older veterans that basically are, are, are on the downswing of their career. It's not like, it's not like Chris Tanev has another like three, four years in him at Mm -hmm. at his peak. They've gotten his peak. They could, they just got his peak and they wasted them in these last five years, which is really sad because I feel for him. I mean, I mean, if there's anyone who deserves to win a Stanley cup, you know, like, like that's one of those guys where you're like, Oh, I just wish he had gotten it because you know, he was such a good Canuck. Right. Yeah. And he, and he stuck with the organization, but my, my feeling is, is let him go. And, and there's other, there's others out there, but you don't sign Jordy Benz. You don't sign, no. um, you know, those types of players. I mean, Jordy Ben was just deplorable this season. You know, he just, it just wasn't because that's not his game. Right. He's, he's suited for, uh, you know, Jordy, you know, where Jordan Ben would do really, really well. He would do really well in Arizona, like super yeah. good in Arizona. 
And the reason he does super good in Arizona is they play the style that allows him to be more successful. It was why when they kind of adjusted their game with St. Louis, he played better. You know, yeah. he played a better game because it was more adjusted, but against, against Vegas, like just exposed. Yeah. Right. It's, it's why they couldn't get Tyler Myers in there fast enough. So, um, you know, I, I, for Tanev, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, you wish him well, I, but, but I'm in the opposite as you, I think it's okay to let him go. I think no matter who you get for Quinn Hughes, he'll, he'll do really well. I think they can, they can uh, make some, they can make some, some moves, but you've got to find a way to get both uh Levy and um, Rathbone in the lineup next year. And they have to be big parts of it. They yeah. literally have to be, be, and, and that's why, you know, you were talking about Stetcher. I'd let Stetcher go too. I know that sounds really bad, but I'd let Stetcher go too because, because you know, as great as Richmond, Troy, you know, Richmond, Troy from Richmond is, and I, and I, again, I love these guys, for Tannen and them. But your team isn't better if you keep them. You're mm-hmm. trying to improve the team. They're not better with them on the team, and I think the Canucks are better allowing these other guys to come in who are puck movers can move the puck and understand yeah. how to get to the NHL so that when they get to the level of the, the playoffs, right. It's it's they'll get adjusted, but they'll be able to play a, a better, a better um, size. So on the defense, I'd, I'd like, I'd, I'd, you know, Hughes Myers Edler, cause you have to protect Edler except yeah. for in the expansion draft. That's, that's, that, that's, those, those are three. You've got to bring in three new defensemen to make your defense better. And if you'll levy and, and Rathbone are two that are going to come in, then you got to bring, then you've got to go out and get a higher end defenseman. And, and I'm not saying this is who you get, but that's where you take that money. You go after a Petra Angelo, you go after someone who can, who's, who, who can anchor on the defense and, and be that guy. And, and um, you know, pick up some other big minutes so that Quinn Hughes isn't killing himself yeah. and, or getting killed on a lot of nights. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, for me, I'm going towards my heart more than my head right now in that point, if it's keeping Tanev and stature, but I, 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 uh, I agree with a lot of your points there because you do need Rathbone and your Levy and them in the lineup for the puck moving aspect, because this team does need to move the puck faster from the back end. Um, to make this team better, yeah, you do. You need those guys in the lineup over uh, the aging veterans, uh, Tanev. And, I mean, Stetcher's not aging, but, uh, you know, if you can keep him for a loan of capital, I think he's still a good guy. But I don't know if he's going to be comfortable playing in that reduced role because he didn't seem to be comfortable at the beginning of this season when he was put there. So, um, yeah, I think I'm just pushing towards my heart more than my head with that. <laughs> Yeah, and that's okay. Like you're allowed to to think with your heart, right? Everyone's allowed to think with their heart, but but Matt, I think what's what's important. Like I'm looking at the UFAs right now. Now Petrangelo, he's 30 years old, so no, you probably don't want to. No. You know, maybe you don't want to go there. But Tory Krug, like there's, oh, there's Tory Krug, and he's gonna go. He's he's gonna be. You know, like like there's there's a guy that you could you should you should be putting some some dollars down on. Um, probably not a Tyson Berry, but um, just give me a second here. I'm just, I'm just looking through it right now. Like there's, there are some really strong players that are available and, and, you know, T, you know, TJ Brody's only 29. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, and I don't know if you want to go for Ham, Travis Hamannick, but Sammy Vatanen who's 28, right? Like that's, that's who I would be going after versus, 
because I think they make your team better versus versus Chris Tanev. But mm-hmm. but you know if if you are going to keep, keep Chris Tanev, which I think is a disability. If you are going to keep Chris Tanev, then you keep him for the sole purpose of being um, uh, Hughes' uh, um, partner. But again, if uh, and I, I just have to stress this, when you re-sign players who have an injury history, you run the risk of locking up term with players that are not going to um, – that potentially now you're on injured reserve and now you're scrambling to fill those yeah. spaces and make trades and giving up more assets to do that. I think it's a better option to to do it this way and cut bait with them and let that be another team's pardon me another team's problem. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, the thing is is you know Tanev, he's such a warrior and the way he plays. I think he still has a few couple two or three seasons left in him. But like you said, this the way he's been injured lately, and I mean this was his first season without the pause. He would have missed games because he was injured in that Islanders game at just before that. Um, I think he will get injured again. He won't be playing. He hasn't played an 82 game season yet. I think he has in his yeah, career. So, yeah, no. I mean, it's, no, no, you're right. You're right. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, going towards some more logical uh, thinking, I, I think, yeah, Tanev is probably a guy you lean towards getting, you know, letting go because the fact there are some bigger pieces you've got to have on this team to to push him forward. And, and someone's going to overpay him. Like, I'm telling you, he's from Toronto. Toronto's going to overpay Toronto's him. Toronto's going to go after him. him I think a couple of, yeah. <laughs> they, they, a couple of years ago, they were they were interested in him. You know, they'll probably go after Petrangelo, too. Like, Toronto's going to be doing everything they can to, to augment their lineup. And and maybe Chris Tanev makes them, makes, them a better, makes them better, but keeping him doesn't make Vancouver better. And I think that's how you have to look at this is, okay, yeah. how do we get better? You get better by making your bottom six better and you get better by improving your defense and no offense. And this isn't anything against Troy and, and, and Jamie Ben and, and such, but, but like Ole Olevi and, and, and Jack Rathbone make the Canucks better. If they are ready to play, they will make the team better. They just yeah. will. We saw it in that wild game in, in game five where Ole Olevi comes in. And I know you didn't play like a lot of minutes, but geez, they, did, were you like going, oh, wow, Levy looks lost out there, or does he look bad? Like that, that's no. a high-pressure situation. He was cool as a cucumber. Give yeah. him a full season to, to play, and he'll be ready, and he'll be, he makes the Canucks better. And that's, that's how you have to look at this offseason. How do I make the team better? You make the team better by allowing, even though Markstrom is your MVP, you make the team better by allowing Markstrom, Tanev, trading Troy and, and for something and Jake for something and, and, and getting another bottom six winger. And, and if Hoglander's one of them, then get another better winger for, for the other side and make your team better yeah. and, and make your defense better. And then Thatcher Demko doesn't have to stand on his head for three games to potentially win a second round. Yeah. You most likely are going to go, go a lot further. Yeah, I agree. And that that's, that's a really good, um, for the Canucks to go on this offseason. I don't know how Benning's going to actually navigate it the way he, you know, mm-hmm. in the past, he's been questionable with certain things. On, and I have a, this scary, positive, you know, prediction that he's going to go after Tyson Berry. Well, um, he, you know, the, the, I mean, that could be, but I don't think he will. And like he said, he said, like, you know, I think we have enough in the system that we can improve with, from within. We don't need to go out and sign right, a bunch of Right, he did people. say that, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, 
I think that a Petra Angelo or, or like I said, a Tory Krug, probably that's who they would target. If they're going to target an offseason defenseman, that's who they're going to target. They're going to target a Tory Krug. And, and maybe they, they, you know, they transition someone to the other wing and, and, you know, get them used to playing over there and, and, you know, play a, a reasonable game and see how that works. Right. Um, but I don't think they're going to be like super active in the, in the free agent market, but I do think they should they're, really. Yeah. But they're, they're going to improve, you know, Hoglander is going to be on the team re-signed to Foley. Um, you know, Tanner Pearson, you know, he's, he, he had a horrible series against, uh, um, Vegas. In fact, I, yeah. it's the worst I've ever seen him play. I wouldn't be surprised if he was injured too. No one's really talked about it, but that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but you know, that's the, you know, have a top nine instead of a top six, um, you know, the, and then if McEwen is, is there ready to go, um, you know, may, maybe, maybe it's Gaudette Cole Linden Hoglander. I don't know. You, yeah. you know, you get what I'm getting at because, because, because next season after the season coming up now, the 2021 season, now you got Pod Colson coming in yeah. and you know, he'll be NHL ready to play. So, you know, he could even be here by the time you hit the, if the KHL season ends the, the way it is, once his contract's up, that's it. He's gone. You know, Vancouver's going to sign him and get him into the lineup right away. Yeah. So, 100%. so, you know, like, like the Canucks are not in this, conundrum that everybody thinks they are the conundrum they're in is okay how do we improve the team how do we actually make the team better well we make the team better by getting rid of the dead weight which is the Sutters the Ericsons the and it, and I, it sounds bad because I don't mean it this way because they're good players yeah but Tanev and Stetcher like it's okay to let them go you know I, and I love Troy I thought Troy played great it's just you know are the Canucks better with him or without him and, and maybe, maybe, maybe I like, I can venture an opinion to say that I think they could find someone who makes them better, but maybe they aren't I, I, like, I don't know, but you got to remember Edler's gone after what um, the 2022 season, season yeah. as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a chess game. And so do you lock yourself in like all these questions? They're, they're good questions to have. That's why we're doing this podcast because this is all the stuff that most people don't think about and, or they kind of go through it. But when you project it out over a few seasons, you know, one thing's for sure. Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, Horvat, probably Gaudet, Hoglander, Pod Colson, um, if are, are going to be your, your, your core of forwards in yeah. two years. Right. And so now where does that leave you with, if you sign to Foley, he's in there now. So you've got a top nine. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you, and you never know, like stuff happens where you like, yeah. what if Cole Lynn comes in and like blows, blows everyone away. away. I mean, he Thank could. you. Thank Absolutely. Um, so, so exactly. Know. And so even on defense, Rathbone comes in, he has, he's played phenomenal in, 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 uh, in college, right? He comes in. What if he's just like this, you know, he's the perfect second defenseman for moving the puck up the ice. And you already have another one in Tyler Myers. And Ole Olevi is that steadying presence that just makes such smart plays and is so good on the back end. And, and you know, the unrestricted free agent, you, you get to play with Quinn Hughes. They just mesh so well. And, and they're even better than before. Like, and it's all because you didn't waste money with your heart. And so many Canucks mm -hmm. fans make like, oh, we got to do it with your heart. And, and unfortunately, hockey's a business. Yeah. And you don't yeah. win with your heart. And there's a reason, I, and I always say this again, Chicago won three cups 
in five years because they didn't go with their heart. They made hard decisions. They moved Bufflin. They moved Versteeg. They moved, um, you know, quite a few players, and they kept their core players, right? They kept that core of Keith Seabrook yeah. on the back end. Kane, Taves, Sharp is, is their four, and Hosa were their four forwards. And then they were like, Corey Crawford's our goalie. They got him at a really reasonable rate. Everything else was augmented around that. And they won three cups in five years. That's yeah. how Vancouver has to look at this. And I think they've got more riches than, than Chicago does. I really do. I agree too. And the thing is, like I said before, you know, there's always those surprises that happen too. Like, you know, when the Canucks signed Chris Tanev way back when, did they think he'd become such a solid defensive presence? I don't think so. Um, you know, uh, guys like even Troy Stetcher, I don't think we expected him to be a solid, steady NHL defenseman either. And, you know, there's always those guys, Burroughs way back. I mean, no one thought he was going to be a top six guy when we were planning all the top six at that point. I mean, there's just so many things, so many moving parts that could happen that changes the discussion too. Yeah. And, and, and of course there are teams that are wondering, okay, like if you're no offense, but if you're Calgary, what do you do now with Johnny Goudreau? Do you move on from him? What do you do with your aging defense? Like, like they've got their influx. Uh, Ottawa's still trying to figure out who, who their team is. We know that Toronto's going to be moving pieces. There's so many yeah. moving pieces Buffalo. out there. Yeah, Buffalo too. Like, holy, right? So, <laughs> so you know, I know there's going to be a lot of people going after Tory Krug, but, you know, Tory Krug isn't going to go play. Like, he's going to want to play where he can win a cup, yeah. right? And, and, and is it with Boston? I don't know. Maybe he does stay there. Maybe they find a way to keep him because Chara, maybe Chara retires. So now they just pay Tory Crew. Such as Rathbone, Yulevi, even Jet Wu. Um, what yeah. if Jet Wu comes in, right? Like, like, and I, I, I actually. I, I think Jet Wu could, um, you know, you, you've got to play this out to say, can we afford, because again, if you are going to bring in these other veterans to take over some of these roles, then you have to move players and you mm -hmm. have to move them because you just don't have the space for them. Right. And it's unfair yeah. to keep them. It's unfair to keep them in, in Utica when they're AH or they're NHL capable players. That's true. Uh, and that's another point. Uh, you know, I don't think guys like Sketch are going to be wanting to be shuttled down to the minors and being buried down there um, because another guy is, you know, taking his spot. So, I mean, I think you get good value for Stetcher too, especially the way he played in the playoffs. Um, I think you do get something for him. Yeah. Like, I don't think we realize how good – um, European hockey is because of the salary cap it has pushed a lot of really good players to go play there to mm -hmm. make a living yeah and and the hockey has been a lot better because of it which has developed these players so that when they come here so like because remember everyone's like oh I never expected Elias Pettersson to to play at this level look at some of the players that were playing in the league then <laughs> with him like there was actually like some really really good hockey players and it's not like they're old like some of them no. were, you know, 28, 29. And it's just that a salary cap hinders a team's ability to, to, you know, have these types of, 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 of rosters. You have to build yeah. around that. And so that's what Vancouver is faced with. And again, if you can, if you can cut and I, and this, again, this is why to me, I, I base all my decisions off of the salary cap. 
You lose Markstrom for six, right? Like I'm just saying, this is the cap space you'd have if you didn't sign them. You lose, you, so you get Markstrom for six. You get Tanner for four and a half. You cut Louis for another six. You move, you move Brandon, which I think you probably Sutter, which I think you can for another four and a half. And then you trade Jake and you trade Troy Stetcher's rights. Even if you only get fifth round picks for them, it doesn't matter right now, because yeah. now all of a sudden you've got like twenty plus million dollars in salary cap sitting there. So you give only three and a half to Thatcher. You give to fully his six, which or five point eight, which is the same as Brock. You um, go out and you sign your big defenseman for seven and a half or whatever it is, and you still have. And now you've got Hoglander coming in, and, and all of a sudden your bottom six is far more um, competitive and and can play at a playoff level. And your defense is far more improved now because you brought in these these elements that are going to allow you to um, be competitive. And that's how I look at it. That's, that's why I would make the moves I make. Yeah. I, I have a hard time not uh, I have a hard time uh, not agreeing with you there because a lot of that makes a lot of sense. And I don't know how Benning's going to deal with it all. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be an interesting off season for him, I think. And uh, you know, the draft's coming. The Canucks won't have a pick until the third round. So I'm, I'm, thinking he's going to try to get into at least the second round there too. So um, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. It'd be nice if he could get, if he could get something, but again, I think they're picking like 24th now or something like that or, yeah, they're lower. or something. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, it's not a big deal there. And so, you know, um, I say it's not a big deal. I mean, this is a really good draft and that, I mean, you always want to have things in the coffers, but again, Vancouver, we know this Vancouver actually has, a really a solid draft pool um, or talent pool in, in the coffers there. And, 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 you know, I mean, again, the more picks you have, the higher percentages of those players playing off. We, we get that, but Vancouver's no longer in the build model. They're in the win. Now they're, they're ready to contend. They finished in the top eight and they're ready to, to take that next step. And yeah, you need a lot of, you need a lot of things to go your way. Um, to help you out again, I think, you know, for the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, the, the, one of the things that that's a really good model to understand is that they had to beat the LA Kings twice to get to, to get to two yeah. of their Stanley cup finals. It's, it's not easy to do. And um, you know, and the Kings had to beat them once to get to yeah. the Stanley cup, to get to a Stanley cup final. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a real delicate game. It's a really a fun game to watch and, you know, full circle to the beginning of the podcast there that we've talked about. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks had an amazing season and they're about to get better. And, you know, for people who are like, you know, don't, don't vote with your heart. Don't go with what your heart tells you go with what makes the most sense. That's going to make the team better. What's going to improve. Because if you just come back with kind of the same old guys, because, Oh, they had a good off season here remember the five years prior to this remember yeah, yeah. the struggles prior to this like no offense they're not good enough they're still not good enough if they came back with this roster they're not good enough the only way they're going to get better is to get rid of players and make hard decisions and sometimes that's what you have to do you have to make hard decisions and you have to stick by them and you have to support them and as fans that's our job Right. The only person that probably on the bottom six will be back will be Beagle and Mott and, and Gaudette. I think after that, all honestly, all bets are off. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, like you said, I think the fixtures in the bottom six right now are Mott, 
Gaudet and um, and McEwen, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, totally. And and what if Hoglander doesn't make it right? And there's no AHL. So so what is he? Does he go back to the Swedish Elite League again? Then after yeah, that, like that's gonna be I mean, too. you know, I, I think I think Vancouver has to be committed to allowing him to play on the on the third line. Like, yeah, like honestly, yeah. I think they have to be committed to that because he's not going to develop over in Europe anymore. So you have no choice. You got to put him in there. And, and the kid has shown that he has the ability to, to play at, at, at a high level. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think you put him in that, that third line thing and I mean, see what happens because he will be playing with the skilled centermen too. So um, yeah, I think you, you try it for sure. And cause I won't be in the AHL cause he already kind of said he doesn't want to be, um, and who knows, even at the AHL, that's kind of up in the air too, of what, when the AHL is going to start up again. Yeah. I don't even know if it's going to just because yeah. it would be really hard to do a, a hub city. And I mean, the AHL, it's not like these guys make like NHL clubs making millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, they make money, but it, it, that would be a really tough model uh, to make work based on the salaries and what the, what the American hockey league is. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be interesting to see if there is no AHL going. I mean, how are they going to deal with the reserve players? And that's going to be a really interesting discussion too. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> I, I actually suspect that a lot of those players will end up going to Europe. And I think you'll see a, a higher caliber of play in Europe or even the, the mm -hmm. Continental Hockey League. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, how it's all going to shake down too. So. Um, yeah, it, I mean, the thing is, the Canucks, they won't, they're going to be playing pretty soon again here. It's not like we're going to have to wait a ton of time. I mean, I think it's December, sometime in December when they're kind of targeting a next season. So. Yeah, they're, they're back mid-November for training camp. I think they're going to have like two preseason games. That's it, maybe just one. And what it looks like they're going to do, because they're just still not sure about COVID, it looks like what they're going to do is they're going to have eight hub cities, and the yeah. teams are going to be playing at, at that, so... You know, it's uh, it's right now. It's it's a it's a fun time, and you know the, the 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 good thing is is for the Canucks, it puts you know the teams that made these bubble play-ins, it puts them in a bit of a competitive advantage because they understand how to to make it work, right? Yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's it's gonna be a, it's a fun time if you're a Canucks fan right now. Let me tell you, it's a, it's a fun time if you're a, if you're a hockey fan. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, I think that's good to wrap up this episode. Uh, We'll have many more. We're going to go back to our weekly uh, episodes here and kind of talk about different things. I have a few different guests. I have a guy uh, writes for a couple sites for Max on, on the show potentially this week uh, for next episode as well. So it's going to be nice. good to get some other guys on. Yeah, I know. I've got, I have another uh, person lined up here for this month too. Um, a lot of people recognize her and very grateful that she's agreed to come on. So uh, we'll, uh, get that stuff out and um you know we'll be we'll be talking uh canucks hockey yes that's for sure so uh yeah go canucks go and there it's going to be interesting to, to talk canucks for the off season as well it's not going to be uh boring that's for sure yep go canucks go Maybe.